Hello, dear listener. I have something truly special to share. It's an exclusive invitation to join me in Mexico for an intimate and luxurious three-day retreat along the beautiful Pacific coast of Zihuatanejo, taking place the weekend of the spring equinox, March 18th through the 20th. There's also an optional day to stay through the 21st for some special ceremonies that are happening in the area for the equinox. But the retreat itself is the 18th through the 20th, really an opportunity not to be missed. And I'm offering one lucky listener a discounted ticket. On this weekend that I've, I've just been loving into being actually for several years now as COVID and you know everything, but when we conceived of building this place, our home down here it's really what we envisioned, you know, bringing people down here for retreats, for trainings, because we felt and we knew that this space was special. And as people keep coming down and we keep getting the feedback, how magical it is, we want to share it in a really intentional way. You know, be working with the four elements, earth, air, fire, water, the metaphors of the season will set sight on a new vision for our mothering journey and creating a deeper connection to self and mother nature. So to win a discounted ticket, rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, screenshot it and DM it to me on Instagram at Dr. Gertrude Lyons. And remember, the most important thing to mother is yourself. Give yourself permission to take a retreat this year. Besides, who said mothers can't go on a spring break? I'll see you there. This is a Soul Fire production. Welcome to Mother. No, it's Mother. Welcome to Mother, the show where we can explore our inner mothers to actualize our greatest selves through interviews with incredible guests, live coaching sessions, and my own experiences. We're going to dive deep into embracing feminine values and reparenting ourselves. So be prepared to show up, hold space, and be mothered in a way you never have before, but have always needed. It's time we rewrite the Mud Her Code. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of Mud Her, rewriting the Mother Code podcast. This is a solo episode, and I haven't done one in a while, but I've had this one on my mind, so I'm excited to share it with you. But I've had weeks of amazing guests, a live coaching session, and I just, I love podcasting. I love meeting the people that I get to have on the show. I love being on other people's shows. And it's such a beautiful medium for us to come together and share and share wisdom and share experiences and and be together. So this one, I really want us to start getting the beauty and power of when you apply the concepts that I share about in rewriting the mother code. I know early on episodes, I share like, what is rewriting the mother code? And I talk about how it's raising a woman's awareness in the personal growth, the self-awareness, and even the transformational opportunity when we use mothering or any experience that evokes our tremendous care, that evokes chaos, disequilibrium, the unknown, any of those spaces where we're putting our energy at such a level has this opportunity. It's inherent in it. It's backed by research that this is the most ripe time for our transformation. And I think a lot of what I share in that is how, you know, in order to do that, we have to give ourselves space, give ourselves time 
to look at our wiring. What's the wiring that keeps us from such an experience from our childhoods and uh, from our cultures, you know, and really breaking down all the, the disempowering myths that we have really instilled in our families and our, you know, greater culture and particularly our Western American culture, which is really highly disfavorable for mothers. And we've certainly seen that in the pandemic where it's not valued, right? This immense giving that we do um, in mother work is, isn't valued and that's a problem, right? But it starts with us valuing it. And I think one of the keys to valuing it is seeing that it isn't just, I don't know, a selfless kind of mundane activity or something that is I don't know, just kind of this natural part of us and we should just do it and not question and, and turn ourselves over to it. Well, of course, we all want to turn ourselves over and dedicate you know, time and energy to something we care so much about, but we don't want to lose ourselves in it, right? And that's what can happen, particularly in our culture that demands us to be perfect mothers, that there's a right way to mother that we're somehow just supposed to do it all and not just do it all, but do it all right and produce and kind of pop out and then, you know, raise these perfect humans and how much of a reflection of us they are. Well, that's all messed up. And I know I've shared about Alison Gopnik in her book, The Carpenter and the Gardener. No, it's not our job. Parenting isn't a job like our careers are a job or school. And we can't put it in the same bucket for our affirmation or we're just, you know, we're effed <laughs> for sure, because it's it's just not like that, you know, and us doing a good job isn't, you know, what we think this human being or how this human being should, should turn out or any, you know, big project relationship career. If, if we think it's, we're supposed to dictate that, then we're going to lose. So we know we're supposed to kind of dig in and raise our awareness around where, you know, we have misguided wiring, right? But then what do we do about it? Okay. You know, and that's what I spent, want to spend some time in this episode talking about the doing, how do we change behaviors? How do we disrupt what the, the status quo is in this area? And then, you know, have this opportunity for transformation. I want to share a quote. I was kind of looking over my dissertation, actually, which is always kind of fun to revisit for me while it brings up a whole lot of feelings. But anyway, a book that I read that was really meaningful to me and was in my research was by Elaine Hefner, and it's called Mothering, The Emotional Experience of Motherhood After Freud and Feminism. Hmm. Interesting, right? But anyway, I think this quote is really powerful. It goes like this. The universal moments of child rearing, however, are in fact nothing less than a confrontation with the most basic problems of living in society, a facing through one's children of all the conflicts inherent in human relationships, a clarification of issues that were unresolved in one's own growing up. The experience of child rearing not only can strengthen one as an individual, but also represents the opportunity to shape human relationships in the future. I mean, I feel actually a little teary reading that and remembering, you know, the the power, you know, what's possible. Yes, it can change and even transform us, but that can have a ripple effect. And us going on this aspect of our mothering journey can and does have a rippling effect. So I'm going to share a couple of the frameworks that I use, you know, in all of my coaching and all of my workshops and everything I'm doing 
supporting women to rewrite their mother code through the right foundations, frameworks of the Evelating model and the right model of human development. These are really powerful structures, right? They, they stand on their own and as effective technologies for personal growth, psychosocial development, but they're also transformational, helping us live to our highest potential. Let me make a distinction. Evelating, which was developed by Dr. Judith Wright, provides a dynamic process for the journey of transformation. So this is the process, whereas the right developmental model, it provides the map, right? But together, they offer a really synergistic technology. And I'm going to say a couple things about these models personally, right? So Dr. Bob Wright developed the right developmental model. And that's been around, you know, through all my years of my own growth and development and as a professional coach. But it really wasn't until I became a student at the right graduate university that I came to understand its power. Prior to that, it was, it looked like this really complex, complicated, academic, like, what, how is this useful to me even? And I, I'm going to say this, even though it's not an exact truth, but it felt very masculine to me. It, even though it's not a linear model, it looks like it. And I don't know, there was something in my matrix that thought like, oh, I'll never understand that, let alone use it. But when I started studying it and seeing it applied and looking at my own examples in my own life and then examples in others' lives, I was like, whoa, this is a really powerful tool. When we talk about a map of consciousness, it's really about being able to identify where I am developmentally because None of us develop in this beautiful linear way that we might think we do or kind of check off boxes of phases of development. No, in our upbringings, we all have gaps in that development. And then when we're adults, those gaps are wounds to us. They're pain points, right? And they're places that we lacked the tools, the, I'm going to call it the care, doesn't mean our parents didn't care, but there's aspects of it that leave holes, right? And we're going to, I'll talk more about that. But then when we identify that something like that's getting triggered, one of our pain points or wounds, we can identify where we are in that model. We get to name an emotion and we get to see what principle can help us respond and respond might be a person, it might be a situation, but how can I respond in a way that doesn't just kind of get me through the situation, but helps me heal? I've just now reparented myself. I talk about that a lot, how some of the magic of this model is the fact that we get to grow up with our children. And that's a beautiful thing, I think, but it's powerful. It's never too late to have a happy childhood. And through this model, we can heal all of these wounds, you know, and I know it's spoken about and there's really beautiful work called the mother wound and, you know, lots of ways that this is expressed, but this right developmental model gives us a map to help us heal and move forward, you know, and they'll not have those be blocks that stop us. Let's go back now to the Evelady model because that was Dr. Judith Wright's model, was, is, but she developed it through her grounded research study, looking at people who really have lived transformational lives. She did extensive study on them, this grounded theory study that out of it emerged this Evelady model, which identified phases in our transformational journey. And I immediately love this model because it felt more feminine. It's when you see it in a picture, it's circular and it just made immediate sense to me. So it was really interesting. I didn't have as much of a challenge kind of adapting to it or seeing the power and beauty in it as I did the right developmental model. But that's my journey, right? I think I've talked about it in previous episodes. My journey is a lot about claiming my masculine power in service of the feminine. So that 
you know, is really tied up in this also. Okay. So obviously in this one podcast episode, I, unless I decided to make it hours long, <laughs> this is going to be an overview. I'm going to kind of see where we get with it. And then I'll do, you know, additional episodes to continue to bring this forward. But I wanted to at least get us started. Right. And I want to start us by just giving a really brief overview of what is the Evelating model. Okay. So there's these six phases, and the phases are yearning, engaging, revelating, liberating, rematrixing, and dedicating. And on the mother's journey, I mean, all of them are significant. They're all important. I'm going to share a little bit how, but it starts with yearning. And yearnings are our deeper desires, they're our universal longings. They're the driver for our transformation. And I'm going to compare them to our wants. You know, wants are good. We all have broken wanters. We have exercises and assignments to help us ignite our wanting. But I want to make the distinction that our wants are really kind of more related to our goals, kind of things that, you know, are immediate. They're tangible. You know, sometimes they can be a little, even start falling into the soft addiction realm, right? Like I want this, I want, 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 want. And I can want and even check off boxes and meet goals but still not feel fulfilled, still not feel like I've made any changes in my life. So that's where yearning comes in. Because when we start identifying, and again, I'm going to say it, universal longings, these cross every every possible distinction or difference we want to make about ourselves, race, gender, ethnicity. There's no one I don't think that can relate to these. And I'm going to name a few. Hi, I'm so excited to share with you my 2024 Spring Equinox Self-Mothering Retreat that's happening this March, 2024. And I would love for you not only to consider it, but to attend. But in considering it, hey, just knowing that you would be leaving cold weather if that's the space that you're in and coming down to just magnificently beautiful, warm, nourishing place of Zihuatanejo, Mexico, Zihuatanejo meaning land of the goddess women and coming to really take time for yourself okay and that I am learning more and more isn't just a nice thing to do or something extravagant or something selfish it's essential and I really want you to take it seriously to consider you know just think about what would it take for me to go it's a five and a half day retreat getting from where you are, getting there, landing there, and then being in a space that is all about you. It's all about nourishing you. It's all about tuning into you, using everything around us, the nature, the food, the beautiful people, the rituals, ceremonies. I bring it, you know, we really bring it. And we go deeper and deeper as the days go on and we release, we let go, we bring in what is nourishing, what is empowering, what is that space of just really divine feminine energy. And we do it in the community of women. It's not for everyone. I will be honest, you know, if that idea of leaving and not making it work or it's just too hard, not for you. If the idea of, you know, spending that amount of time inwardly focused and going to that level of self-awareness doesn't sound like something you're willing to do or put the time and energy into, then it's not for you. And it's good to know that, right? So this is for people who are serious about what it means to mother themselves, what it means to take time for ourselves and that gift and what that gift can bring to us. It was originally right after my fall retreat, it filled right up. But now some people, it turns out, are not able to come. So I do have a handful of openings and 
If you're listening to this and you're willing to take that step, please reach out to me. We can do a discovery call or you can put a deposit down. I would love that. And you can do that by going to my website, www.drgertrudelyons.com. Go to events and there you go. It'll all be there. There's a beautiful page there for you to explore. I look forward to hearing from you and then seeing you on my spring retreat. So a yearning would be something like this. I yearn to matter. I yearn to make a difference. I yearn to be loved and to love. I yearn for connection. I yearn to exist. I yearn for connection with the divine and so on. So I know I just felt different saying them. Sometimes that's all it takes is reconnecting and saying them out loud. You know, the whole rest of the model is about us bringing those into our lives, having them have meaning, and often by doing so, transforming. Because, you know, we come into this often with a matrix that isn't built on us having and meeting our yearnings, right? So once we start identifying, then we want to take action. We want to engage. So the second phase is engaging. And that's a, it's some response to our yearnings. So if we want to at all think about changing a behavior in a meaningful way, we need to learn to engage fully in our lives. So once we start engaging, we'll notice new things. We'll notice like, oh, I thought if I did this, then everyone would be mad at me or everyone would leave me. And I notice that they don't. And okay, great. Uh, that was an aha. That's a, a revelating. So whether it's a new awareness or me revealing and sharing myself in new and vulnerable ways and doing that through expression, that's the next move we want to make. So we want to really be aware of, and I've talked probably most about this one, but haven't called it revelating, which is around raising our awareness, you know, diving deep and seeing what are the codes we need to rewrite? What are the things in our histories that, you know, get in the way of our living a fulfilling life, right? They're really identifying what is our matrix and now we can do something about it. So then we, you know, we might take on assignments. Once our awareness is there, then we want to put that into action. And this is where we really challenge core mistaken beliefs. We try on new behaviors that are outside of our comfort zone. They're outside our old habits. And when we do that, that's called liberating, right? That's the next phase. So we liberate by trying these new behaviors. And then we see that, you know, I'm breaking beliefs, things are happening. And then the next one is to do that over and over again. And that's called rematrixing. So that's where we practice the new behaviors, you know, and, and build new muscles. So only when new behaviors are repeated consciously and with intention, our brain is actually reprogrammed. This is where the rewiring really happens. And then transformation happens, right? We're not the same person we were because we rewired. And then lastly, but certainly not least, probably the most important for us to really engage in the journey of mothering in the transformational opportunity of rewriting the mother code is dedicating. Dedicating is where we decide that it's a lifelong commitment to conscious behavior and it sets us on a path of continuous transformation, not just like, oh, I transformed a couple of things. That feels good. Believe me, I have been there. You know, when I look back on my life, I've had periods of time where I was coasting when I look back and had regret and remorse for where I wasn't rematrixing and dedicating. I, was, I would have insights, but I wouldn't 
couldn't do anything to really change them. And I see the the difference, right? Because I see the difference of when I have done it and where I haven't. And if we really want to live to our potential, choose a life of greatness, you know, not settle into a comfortable stopping point, then we're evolators. Some examples of evolators in history are Harriet Tubman, uh, Helen Keller, Malcolm X, Gandhi. You know, were they perfect human beings? No, but did they live incredibly disruptive, uncomfortable lives? And did they have to make huge changes and transformation to bring about change in the world? Yes. Like, you know, you can't just give and be this person. We think we can sometimes just, you know, we want to help, we want to care and make a difference in the world. And we think it's about just putting out into the world, but you become an evaluator and really have this greatness when you put yourself in the picture as well. And that's what we talk about with mothering, right? This is mothering ourselves. Evaluating is mothering ourselves in such a huge way, but it gives us a framework to think about it through. Cause a lot of times like, yeah, mother yourself. And all we can think about is even the challenge of getting ourselves to eat in a day, you know, or get a shower. And if you're a new mom, you know, the, some of these things that are inhibitors, but when we take on this bigger picture and put it all in context of our growth and transformation, seeing what's in the way of just having that shower, getting that meal in, getting some time to tending ourselves, that's where the magic happens. Yes, doing it is good, but the journey to explore and find out, you know, what's in the way and what's getting triggered, that's the magic, right? And that's the exploration we go on in evolating and using evolating to rewrite our mother code. There's something I want to talk about. I don't think, I think actually this is going to become a evolating and emotions session, but we'll see because without our emotions and our connection with, and our identifying and expression of them, none of this is possible, right? And so many ways that we work on this and do this, you know, through my work at the Right Foundation is also something we call the assignment way of living, right? That's where in all of this, we take on assignments that cause us to disrupt our patterns. You know, when we talked about liberating or engaging, you know, we have to have a framework and assignments that help us bust those beliefs. And many of them that we work on in that arena are around our emotions, right? And I want to talk about those and we'll see if uh, I'll maybe touch on then the right developmental model, just so we get a sense of it. Because once we get an overview, then we can do many recordings on it because it's complex, it's deep, it's big, it's beautiful. But a key component in it and evaluating is having facility with our emotions, right? Because we all have challenges in our life. You know, in the, in the mothering journey, we have huge challenges when it comes to if you choose to have children, engaging with all the stuff that comes up in that experience. But it's not just that experience. It's also the experience of anything that we're dedicating to, right? Anything that we're mothering, that we're caring about, our emotions play a huge role. Emotions have been studied and extensively discussed in social sciences. You know, there's a lot of beautiful work on the power of our emotions. I want to touch on them a little bit just to, to really underline how in our early development, we're largely emotional beings. That's just kind of how we get along, who we are in the world. And we're more emotional beings in our daily lives than I think any of us really want to realize. They're important for our learning and growing through our lifetimes. And Dan Goleman, who popularized the term emotional intelligence, 
pointing to how important our self-awareness of something that was formerly hugely undervalued and overlooked as an aspect of having success in all facets of our lives. So that's a big paradigm that was disrupted and broken and, and we're starting to see changes in it. We don't just think our emotions are bad. Although when I talk about the five main emotions, five primary emotions that we use in the right foundation model are fear, hurt, anger, sadness, and joy. None of them are bad. All of them have significance and they have significance in everything from our basic functioning to achieving our greatest fulfillment. So we want access and facility with all of them. And I'm going to do use another quote. Same book, Elaine Hefner. She's certainly not the only one I use, but I happen to like have a couple of quotes of hers that I think are really powerful. So here it goes. Here's this one. Because I think she does a good job helping set a bigger context around being responsible with our emotions. So the issue is not one of redefining sex roles, but of teaching people how to live with all their feelings, love, hate, anger, aggression, dependence, and how to resolve conflicts without destructive power struggles. This is the challenge for mothering. Are we to believe that those so engaged are not fulfilling human potential? You know, so she gets it, right? And hopefully that gives a sense of what we're talking about, you know, because this proposition of our emotions and facility helping us fulfill human potential, that's huge. That's a big disruptive uh, concept, right? That we think there's something we should minimize, avoid, except for joy. Somehow, you know, joy's the acceptable one, but we can't have joy if we don't have all of our emotions. So I want to kind of just highlight and illustrate a couple more things in relationship to our emotions and emotional intelligence and how, you know, when we gain effective use and use our emotional intelligence, how that can foster our development, you know, in our mothering journey. So on a just purely practical level, right, there are basic functions of, of the job of mothering, feeding, dressing, changing diapers, all of that requires a significant amount of time for women engaged in mothering, especially in our early years, you know, so one might assume like, having our emotions is not that significant in the day-to-day -day kind of mundane happenings. But that's one of our limiting assumptions because we have feelings all the time, right? And Antonio Damaso, he demonstrates this in his work, the feeling of what happens, body, emotion, and the making of consciousness. So we're filtering out emotions constantly, right? We've, we have a lot of barriers and things, but they're getting triggered all the time. And in mothering, oh my gosh, you know, one, it's, it's so new. It's so unknown. There's so much happening. We don't understand. We just want some control, right? But once we think that we're supposed to be in control, we're cutting off one of our most valuable resources. So a lot of things come up in pregnancy, birth, motherhood, taking on something really big and new is that we're in the unknown and a lot of fear comes up and we can get hijacked as Goldman says, by that fear, something happens during our pregnancy and we don't know what's going on or, you know, with a new baby, they're, you know, not responding in a way or they're, I can't get them to stop crying and I don't know what to do. So we get what he calls hijacked, an amygdala hijack, and it puts us into our fight, flight, and freeze mechanism. It, you know, shuts down all of our higher functioning. And that's a problem because if we really want to look for answers that are useful and can take us somewhere, we need to get reconnected. Um, to our higher functioning or our frontal lobe. So we need to feel this feeling. We need to acknowledge the feeling. And often just by acknowledging and feeling that feeling, we're back online. It's kind of like a reboot, in a, if you think of it that way. So just by saying, I'm scared or I'm hurt right now, we're going to have a different 
experience with what's going on with us in the moment. You know, in our work in Sophia, where we really are looking at valuing feminine values and honoring them, you know, our emotions and our, our, our being, right? And if we think of the feminine as our being and the doing as our more masculine value, we can kind of see the problem right there, right? Our being isn't as honored, but our doing is. So we think we're just supposed to be able to do, do, do and do this job right. But how can we if we don't invite our being into it? It isn't going to happen. We need to look at our mistaken beliefs. We need to explore this territory, you know, really thoroughly. And we have lots of, you know, I've engaged in, I, in my coaching, I always giving assignments around identifying. It's there. We have the language inherent in us, but it's gone dormant for most of us, or we have mistaken beliefs that keep us from really accessing them and the power that's in them. Even if we think about wanting more closeness in our lives, if we don't interact at an emotional level, we're never going to have that. And Dan Siegel describes like an interaction where we're both parties are really fully in their feelings as the experience of feeling felt. You know, it's the experience that comes when two people interact such that both experience feeling seen and felt by the other. You know, it's like a mutual and simultaneous giving and receiving of genuine connection. So we're meeting these yearnings, right? So if we look at that and if we're cut off from our emotions, that level just it, it really is impossible. I'm going to share an example of like where this came into play with a mother that I've coached, you know, in our parenting program. And it was a beautiful display. So she had a new baby and the baby was, you know, not full-blown colic, but I don't know if there's a spectrum for colic, but I'm going to say there is, you know, it was on the spectrum for a colicky baby. And if you don't know what that is, it's like, there's, you know, kind of issues going on. They say some of it might be even, you know, intestinal digestion, you know, there's never fully able to totally pinpoint, but they're upset a lot. There's a lot of crying you know, and all the typical things that you want to do to help a baby, you know, get soothed don't work, right? Because there's just something that we can't do and they just can cry and cry and cry. And this is one of the most challenging for a new mom to have an experience like this. But even if you don't have a colicky baby or just you know, the the fear that comes up of what happens and what gets triggered in us when a baby starts crying. It's a good thing, right? It helps us tend, tend to the baby. We want to listen to it, but more is happening than we realize. Like it's triggering all sorts of things in ourselves and historical things and upsets. So this woman, you know, had this baby. She was involved in one of our growth groups called Transformation Lab. And the baby was still really young. So she brought the baby with her and she was sharing about this. And then the baby started crying and crying and crying. And the facilitator, you know, took the baby and just invited for her to have her feelings, to really let go and like fully let herself, you know, feel. You know, very clear that it wasn't, you know, directed toward the baby it was just an allowance of her expression. And so she allowed herself to sob and also be held. And in that simultaneous interaction, the baby quieted. Now, is that always going to be the case? No. But did a beautiful thing happen where out of this baby crying, she opened up herself to feel her feelings and who knows, maybe the baby felt seen and heard and, you know, there was an exchange of energy. There was maybe upset in the system because babies are so sensitive. So isn't that a beautiful example? It's something I coach moms on all the time. You know, if your child or your baby's having a tantrum or they're upset, see it as a signal to have some of your own feelings, not get mad at the baby, not, you know, direct it toward the baby, but it's 
No, you're having, you know, your own parallel journey. This is where you get to grow up again with your child. So, yep, here I am. All right, we've talked a lot and we've covered evolating. We've covered emotions, of course, again, at a very basic level. So I think I'm going to wrap us up here. But, you know, what I'll say is these evolating and our emotions are going to tie in beautifully when we start applying it to the right developmental model map of consciousness. I'm going to speak into that in another episode. But that's really where when we identify that emotion or we've been following our yearnings, we get to see, as I said at the beginning, our developmental gaps, find our place on that map, and then give ourselves, just like it actually happened in the experience I just gave, you know, with the individual that I was just talking about, where she identified you know, her fear. She then, you know, went on her own emotional journey. I don't know in that instance exactly like what also was getting triggered for her. You know, maybe a certain sense of being young and someone who was always responsible and had to take care of everybody and everything. Whereas, you know, this felt really out of control because she couldn't control the situation. And then somebody tended to her and she was able to have her feelings. She just then got, you know, some of what she hadn't gotten in her childhood and she was soothed and she soothed herself. So she was able to, you know, have that experience out of that awareness and consciousness. So we'll talk uh, more about, cause there's, you know, uh, levels again with the right developmental model. And I'll end this one and I'll probably begin the, when I talk about it again with my husband, Rich Lyons loves the developmental model. He teaches on it. He has always grasped the significance and power of it. Took me a while, as I said, but I love that it's something we now both share as a tool of transformation. All right. So a lot to be with. I'm hoping you're resonating, kind of seeing what could be possible when we start applying, you know, assignments, the awareness into some of our exploration so we can start doing things to shift these beliefs and awarenesses. Well, lots more to say. I look forward to our next time. But in the meantime, go out and notice your yearnings. You know, be aware of your emotions, fear, hurt, anger, sadness, or joy in your day-to-day life. And let me know how it goes. Thank you so much for choosing yourself and taking the time to listen to this podcast. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to Mother. Wait, no, subscribe to Mother Her. It helps other people who need this message, aka all women, well, actually everybody, men included. I'm honored to have you on this journey in mothering yourself. Remember, change is uncomfortable, but it's beautiful and it starts with us. And if you can't wait until next week's episode, follow me on Instagram and LinkedIn at Dr. Gertrude Lyons or at my website, drgertrudelyons.com. I'll see you next time.